Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke shows Jesus, and we've seen this, to be the Savior, the King, and the Messiah. He's on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill the will of the Father. And what is that? He's going to die and rise again. He's going to pay for sin, conquer death. Over the last few weeks, we have been seeing that what he's doing is he's on the way to Jerusalem. He's been teaching so many different things. He taught about salvation and discipleship, stewardship. He taught about life after death. Even as we continue this morning, we're continuing to see his teaching, and it's about the kingdom. It's about his second coming to the earth where he rules in righteousness and justice. He will indeed rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As we look at this morning's passage, there are a number of goals that we have, things I want you to think about. Here's what they are. First of all, we want to understand the end time events. We'll put that together. We want to understand the time of the kingdom, especially at the return of Christ, what we call the second coming. And then the third thing is we want to be able to make application based on the word of God. And that's always. We always want to be able to understand this truth and then make application. So may we have an understanding of the end time events, especially with the focus on the the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we'll see how this fits. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, don't turn there, but in the Gospel of Matthew, there are two powerful chapters that fit together. Matthew 24 and 25, they deal with the time of what we call the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ as the king. During this terrible time on the earth, there's the man called the Antichrist, and he comes to power and he rules. But at the end of this seven-year time period, and that's how long this tribulation is, Jesus comes to the earth as the king to judge and to reign. Now, let me read some verses. Just listen to this. Matthew 24, verse 32 says, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west... So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When Jesus comes, the entire world is going to see him. He's going to flash in, in all his power and his majesty and glory. It goes on to say in Matthew 24, verse 30, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He lights up the sky. The, the Son of Man is the title of the Messiah, which is found in the book of Daniel. One last verse, listen to this, Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. When He comes in His glory, He's going to sit on His throne. He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to reign. One day, Jesus Christ will come to this earth as the King. We call this the second coming. This is what He's teaching in this passage. He will come to Jerusalem, and He will rule the world as the King. Now, how will all this be? And how will all this fit together? Well, as those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we want to know and understand it. Why? So that we'll be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. That we'll be able to tell people when people say, what's this? And, and we want them to understand the difference between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ and the rapture and all those things. So our goal is to be ready to give an answer so people can understand it and we can teach them. This morning, Jesus teaches his disciples concerning his second coming. Well, let's begin. Let's remember where we are. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He's left the northern part of Israel going to Jerusalem. The whole plan is to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross and pay for sin. This is his first coming to the earth. He was born in Bethlehem. He comes as the substitute and the sacrifice for the sins of the world, for us. The last time Jesus began teaching his disciples, you remember the Pharisees were making fun of him. They were saying things like, okay, you're the king. Where's the kingdom? We don't see any kingdom. And Jesus then turns to his disciples and begins to teach. Let me give you the outline of the chapter. We saw some of this last week. 22 through 37 is the section, we see in verses 22 and 20 through 24 that Christ's second coming will be seen. It's not, you're not going to have to point him out. Here he comes.
comes. We said that before he comes as the king, he's got to first die. He's got to, there's got to be the rejection. That's verse 25. Then in verses 26 through 33, we're going to see what will the world be like at Christ's second coming. And then the last part of the passage in verses 34 through 37, it says, Who are the ones taken? That's our question. The ones taken and the ones left. Because the passage says this. I tell you, one night there'll be two in one bed. One will be taken, another will be left. There'll be two women grinding in the same place. One will be taken, one other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Who are these? Who are the ones taken? Who are the ones left? We want you to be able to understand it and put it together. Now remember, he's dealing with the second coming of Christ to this earth as the king. We'll talk about it as we go through it. Let's get a brief review. Look back at verse 22. And this is Jesus. Notice he says, And he said to his disciples, The Pharisees had said to him, Where's the kingdom of God? And and he, instead of really teaching them, because they didn't want to know, they were making fun of him, he turns to his disciples and notice what he says. He says, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not See it. Now, he wanted his disciples to understand how these things fit together. He says, days are going to come when you wish you could see me as the king. Now, I want you to understand something. When he came that first time, he offered himself to the nation of Israel as the king. John the Baptist said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, the kingdom is in your midst. He was offered himself as king. They rejected him. They missed him. They rejected him. And he did everything that he was supposed to do. Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. He did all the signs of the Messiah. And they still rejected him. So at his first coming, instead of being the king at his first coming, he came and because he was rejected, he went to the cross, died and paid for our sins, rose again and ascended back to heaven. He's saying to his people, you know, they're talking about the kingdom. And he says, you know, there's going to come a day when people are going to wish that I was on the earth as the king. And he's going to talk about that. Now, before we get into that, let me remind you of the three questions that we looked at last week. We talked to several of them. I'll go back over and give you a review. But here's the three questions. First of all, how do the end-time events fit together? How do they? You need to know that. You need to understand that. What must happen first before Jesus comes to reign? We'll see that in verse 25. And then the third thing, who are the ones taken and the ones left? And we'll see how that fits together. Well, let's start with the very first question. How do the end time events fit together? We have to understand. I remember we talked this last week, so this is a review, and I won't go into a lot of detail. But we must understand that when we talk about the comings of Christ to the earth, our comings of Christ, there are two comings of Christ to the earth and one coming of Christ in the clouds. Let me show you what we mean. First of all, uh, there's his first coming to, to this earth, he came and he came to die on the cross and pay for sin. The second coming to this earth, he comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords. There is also a coming in the clouds, which we call the rapture. Now, let me show you the chart. This is what we looked at last week. Look at the chart. Let's see if we can put that up. Okay. Here it is. If you notice on this side, you see the first coming. That's the cross. Over here on the second side, on this side, you see the second coming. Now, let's review. The first coming when Jesus came, was born in Bethlehem, became a human being. At about age 30, started his ministry. 30 to about three, three and a half year ministry. He was rejected as Messiah and Savior. He went to the cross, died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Was buried, rose again, walked on the earth 40 days, and ascended back to heaven. That is the first coming of Christ to the earth. He came to be the Savior. There is a second coming of Christ to the earth, which he comes, and he comes to the earth, and he comes to rule and reign and righteousness and justice 
justice as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 17. He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is to the earth. First coming to the earth to die. Second coming to the earth to reign. Now, if you notice, in between these two comings, because we know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died for us and paid for sin. The second coming hadn't come yet. What we find from the Scripture is in between the first and the second coming, and it could happen at any time, Jesus is coming in the clouds. He is not coming to the earth. He's coming in the clouds to get the church. That's us, the body of Christ. All of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, when He comes in the clouds, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him. First Corinthians says, In a moment and a twinkle of an eye will be changed and will be gone. Now, that's not the first coming or the second coming. That's called the rapture. comes from a Latin word, rapio, which means a snatching away. So one of these days, it could be any second, Jesus could come in the clouds, we'd all be gone. Now, first coming, he came to die. Second coming, which he's teaching in this passage, he's talking about coming as the king. Because remember, they said, when's going to be the kingdom? And he's going to tell them about the kingdom. Now, I want you to notice something, that the church, the body of Christ, is gone. We're taken off the face of the earth. Following that is a tribulation time period. I want to, to comfort you in the fact to know that if you have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, when the rapture comes, you will be taken off the face of the earth. You will not be in the tribulation. I know some people get confused and they're all afraid and say, you think we'll go through the tribulation? The answer is no. You're the church, the body of Christ. You will be taken off the face of the earth. Now, so the very first part here is how, how this breaks down. I don't know if I have a – what's is there another slide after this? Okay, yeah, go back if you would. Just keep the chart there for a second. Now, I want to show you something on the chart. Right before Jesus comes, you notice there's that tribulation time period. That's when the man of sin comes to power. We call him the Antichrist and all of this. During that time period, it's going to be horrible on the earth. And there are going to be people wishing, looking for the king. They're going to be, for the Messiah, they're going to even say, I believe the king is here. They're going to say, he's over there. People will be pointing him out. The truth is this. When Jesus Christ comes as the king, nobody's going to have to point him out. I talked to you last week about that article in USA Today. There's about 10 or 15 years ago where the article said, The king is on the earth now. The Messiah is here. The Christ is here. And he took out an article in the paper to tell him that he was on the earth. When Jesus comes, there's not going to be any article in the paper. You won't have to do it, okay? When he comes, nobody's going to say, I think he's over there behind the bushes. It's not going to be that way. In fact, when Jesus comes, everybody will see him. And so here's what I want you to notice. Look, they're going to be saying that. Look at verse 23. Some will say to you, they'll say to you, look over there. Look over here. He says, don't go away with them. Don't run after them. Because here's the key. He says, for just as the lightning, when it flashes from one part of the sky, shines to the other part, so will the Son of Man be in his day. When Jesus Christ comes, everybody's going to see it. And that next slide, when Jesus comes the second time as the king, everyone will know it. And just as the lightning flashes and everybody goes, wow, all across the whole sky, when Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, every human being will see him who's alive on the earth. Everyone. Now, I want you to see this. We looked at this last week. Hold your place right there in Luke 17 and go almost to the very end of the Bible to Revelation chapter 19 because I want you to see where Jesus comes back as the king because when you tell people that Jesus is going to come as the king, some people are going to look at you and say, where's that in the Bible? 
Show me that in the Bible. And you'll say, okay, right here, Revelation chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 11. We looked at this last week. I want you to understand it. I want you to be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within you. Revelation 19, look at verse 11. We're going to see it. We're going to see the second coming clearly when he comes as the king of kings. Everyone will see him. Notice Revelation 19:11. I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Now listen, when he comes, he's coming in power, he is called Faithful and True, and he judges and wages war. Because at the very end of the tribulation, the Antichrist and the enemies of the world have, have gathered against Jerusalem, and Jesus comes to fight. He comes as the king. He comes to rule. Notice verse 2, his eyes, um, excuse me, verse 12, his eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, many crowns, because he's king of kings, Lord of Lords. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. People say, I wonder what it is. There's no way to know. He's the only one that knows. He's coming in power. And let me tell you, the first time he came, he offered himself as the king to Israel. The second time he comes, he's not asking anybody. He's taking names. He's coming in power and majesty and glory. Notice what it says. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. That's us. We're coming with him because, remember, we've been with him. We've been taken off the face of the earth. We're coming back with him to rule and reign with him. Now, notice verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations. He strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread with the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. He is coming in power and majesty and glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Remember that first time he came? He offered himself. Second time, he's taking the kingdom. He's not offering it. He's taking it. Look at the verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. Look what it is. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming in majesty and power and glory. That's the second coming. Go back to Luke chapter 17. And he says, just as the lightning flashes from one part of the sky over to the other, that's going to be what it's like when the Son of Man comes. When he comes, nobody will have to point him out. He's coming in power. Now, here we go to second question. The first question was, uh, how do the end time events fit together? We see it. First coming, second coming, rapture, all of that. Second question is, what must happen first before Jesus comes to reign? Well, we understand that. Look at verse 25. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, the generation that is alive when Jesus is on the earth. He's saying he's got to die. He's got to suffer. The plan was that Jesus would go to the cross and die and pay for sin. There must be, now here's a key, he had to suffer, there must be the cross before the crown, the lamb before the lion. He had to come and die on the cross before he could take the crown. He had to come to be the lamb of God before he could be the lion out of the tribe of Judah. See, when Jesus Christ came the first time, John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the same in Isaiah 53 as the Lamb led to the slaughter. When he came the first time, he had to be the lion, the Lamb before he could become the lion. He had to go to the cross before he takes the crown. Now, you remember when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness? You remember? Right after his baptism, he went out in the wilderness. He was out there for a long time, and Satan came to tempt him. And one of the temptations was this. If you'll bow down to me, I will give you the kingdoms of this world. See, he was wanting Jesus to be the king without the cross. Because if he didn't go to the cross, he didn't pay for the sin of mankind. We don't have salvation. That's why Jesus said, get away from me. Get, get away. See, but Jesus knew he has to go to 
the cross before he can be the king. That's why this verse says, But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Now, you understand that the prophecies in the Old Testament told the same thing. If you go back to the Old Testament, there are two major prophecies about the Messiah. Isaiah 53 says he will be the lamb slaughtered. He'd be the one going to the cross. He'd be the one who would be bruised and wounded and take our sins upon himself. That's his first coming, the lamb. Also in the Old Testament, it talks about the king coming and the king of kings and the lord of lords and the line out of the tribe of Judah. That's his second coming. His first coming. Now listen to this. His first coming was literally fulfilled. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. You understand his second coming will be literally fulfilled. There will be a time he will come to this earth, come to Jerusalem and set up a kingdom and rule for a thousand years. If his first coming was literally fulfilled, you know, I guarantee you, his second coming will be literally fulfilled. He must first be rejected and suffer as the lamb before he can come as the lion. Later in the book of Revelation, if you study it closely, John saw Jesus and he saw the the lion and then he, he saw the lamb and then he saw the lion. The lion out of the tribe of Judah. It's very powerful. First two questions. How do the end time events fit together? We've seen that. What must happen before Jesus comes as the king? He's going to have to suffer and die. He's going to have to go to the cross. You have to have the first coming before the second coming. That takes us to the third question, and that is, who are the ones taken and who are the ones left? Who are these? We realize that we're talking about his second coming. And when Jesus Christ gets ready to come that second time, it'll be at the time of the tribulation, right at the end, there'll be many people who have not believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. There'll be, there'll be many people who are not believers. There'll be those who have believed. What happens when he comes? He comes to judge. Now, what he does is he describes it. And he says, this is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes the second time as the king. And he, he uses an analogy. Look what he says. Look at verse 26. He says, well, just as it happened in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. He said, just like it was when Noah was alive. See, there was a time of judgment in Noah. In Noah's time, there were people who who rejected God and moved away from Him, and God judged the world. And when He came, He judged the world, and basically only eight people made it. Noah and his, his wife and his three sons and their wives, and they got on the ark, and they made it. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There's, there's going to be a, a judgment. There was a judgment at Noah's time. There's going to be a judgment when Jesus, when Jesus comes back. Look what he says. They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, you understand, Noah, the eight people, let's just say the eight people, Noah and, the, and the, they got under the ark and they were delivered. All the rest of the world was destroyed. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about something so that you can put this passage together. Because most of you, if you've just read this passage without looking at the context, you've taken this passage the opposite of what it teaches. Okay? I'll show you in a minute. In the days of Noah, watch this. In the days of Noah, who is taken and who is left? The unbelievers were taken. They were taken in judgment in the flood and they died. Who was left? The believers were left. Noah and his family are left. Now, understand that. When the judgment came, the unbelievers were taken off the face of the earth. They were killed and taken. And the believers were left to stay on the earth. There were only eight of them. Okay? Watch. Just as it happened in the days of Noah, it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
the unbelievers taken, the believers left. Notice that verse 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planning, they were building. But on that day, on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And he gives a second illustration. Now, let me tell you about Lot. There was the man named Abram. We, we call him Abraham. And as he left the earth of the Chaldees and come to the land that God gave him, which we call the land of Israel, he took his nephew Lot. Lot was with him, and as they were there, they began to have all the cattle and all the people, and it got so many people that they were beginning to fight among each other. So Abram called Lot over and said, Lot, look, we're, we're, we're kinfolks. We don't need to fight. You pick out wherever you want to live, and I'll go the opposite direction because we want to make sure there's enough room for us. And Lot looked around, and he saw this beautiful, well-watered plain by these two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. Very wicked cities. But he saw the land and it looked better than anywhere else. And so he said, I'll go over here. And Abraham went, that's fine. I'll go this way. And Lot went and lived in Sodom. And those cities were very, very wicked. In fact, they were so wicked that God sent an angel down to Abraham to tell Abraham he was going to destroy those cities because of their wickedness. There's going to be a judgment. But Lot was going to be delivered because Lot was a righteous man, a believer. And if you remember what happened, an angel came to Lot and said, get out of the city. And Lot went, what are you talking about? He said, you've got to get out of the city. It's going to destroy it. And Lot had his wife and his two daughters and their sons-in-laws. And so Lot went to his two sons-in-laws and said, we've got to get out of town. And they made fun of him. They laughed at him. And they said, oh, that's nothing. So he got his daughters and his wife, and they began to leave because the angel came to him. And they weren't going to leave. And the angel came and grabbed him by the arm and said, you have to leave now. And as they left, he said, we've got to run for it because the destruction's coming to the city. And Lot's wife said, the garden club is great here. I like a lot of things here. I don't want to leave here. I don't want to leave. And as they were leaving, she turned back because she didn't really want to go. And she turned into a pillar of salt. That's what the Bible says. And Lot got out. His son-in-laws did not go. And so Lot and his two daughters are the only ones that got out. Everyone else was taken in death, and they were the only ones left. Now, notice what it says. Look at this second part here. At the time of Lot, who was taken? Who was left? Who was taken? The unbelievers. They were destroyed by fire. Who was left to stay on the earth? It was Lot, the believer Lot, and his family. Now, I want you to remember that. Notice verse 30. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. When Jesus comes the second time, it's going to be the same thing. Now watch this. When Christ's second coming, who will be taken? The unbeliever will be taken in judgment and death. Who will be left? The believers to go into the kingdom. Just like Noah and his family were left to go into the world. Just like Lot and his two daughters were left to live on this earth. When the second coming comes, the believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Okay, does that make sense? Think about it. Now, so review. Just in the time of Noah, just at the time of Lot, unbelievers were taken. Believers were left. We're going to see that's the same thing. And notice he describes what this day is going to be like in this judgment. Verse 31. He said, On that day, the one who's on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. Likewise, the one who's in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. He says, When the judgment comes, run for your life. 
It's going to be a terrible judgment. People need to be running for their life. Notice, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I want you to understand that this is during the time of the tribulation. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. How do they keep their life? They follow the Antichrist. Those who do not believe, they don't want to die. They take the mark of the beast because the Antichrist says, if you don't take the mark, you can't buy or sell anything and I will kill you. And so the unbelievers say, we'll take the mark of the beast. Whoever tries to save their life, they'll eventually lose it. Whoever does not seek to save their lives, that's the believers, they're running for their lives, they will be preserved. We'll see it at the very end. But notice, he says, on that day, the ones on the housetop, don't go back in. The one out in the field, don't come back. Remember Lot's wife because if you try to keep your life, you lose it. Whoever loses life will preserve it. Now, in the second coming of Jesus Christ, it will be like the time of Noah and the time of Lot. There will be judgment. And the unbelievers will be taken in death. And the believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Listen to these verses. Verse 34. I tell you that on that night there will be two in bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. There will be two women grinding in the same place. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Now, a lot of people, when they read this passage, they think rapture. No, no, no. This is second coming. Now, in the rapture, who's taken and who's left? In the rapture, when Jesus comes, the believers are taken off the face of the earth to be with Jesus. Who's left on the earth? Unbelievers. In the second coming, it's the opposite. The believers are left on the earth and the unbelievers are taken in death. Okay? Just make sure you got that because we're going to see the rest of the passage. So I think, let's see, we got it. Uh, that's the rapture. Whoever's taken the believers off the face of the earth to be with the Lord. Um, who's left the unbelievers to go in the kingdom. But think about the second coming. Who will be taken? The unbelievers. Who will be left? The believers. It's just the opposite. Now look at the rest of the verses. Verse 34. I tell you. That night, on that night, what night? The return of Jesus Christ as the king. On that night there will be two in the bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. The one who is taken is the one taken into judgment who will die. The one who is left is the believer who will go into the kingdom. There will be two women grinding at that place. One will be taken, taken in death. The other will be left to go into the kingdom. The unbeliever is taken in death. The believer is left to go into the kingdom. Verse 36 is not in most manuscripts or a lot of manuscripts but it says same thing two men will be in the field one will be taken the unbeliever taken in death and the other will be left the believer to go into the kingdom so understand when you read this passage this is not rapture because a lot of people think it's rapture and they're thinking two people in the field and Jesus comes and the believers taken off the earth and the unbeliever looks around and goes where did they go this is not what this is talking about this is the second coming of Christ. This is not the rapture. The believer is left. The unbeliever is taken in death. Now here's the question. Where is the unbeliever taken? It says they're taken. Taken in death. Where? That's the question they ask. Notice verse 37. And answering, they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying when he comes as the king and he's going to judge the world and he's going to put to death the unbelievers, they are taken in death, what's going to happen to their bodies? He says that he's going to send a bunch of vultures to eat their bodies. You say, does that really say that? Because it says, 
where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. Well, you must see this. Hold your place in Luke 17. Turn to Revelation 19. Again, I want you to see something. Revelation 19. won't take but just a second. I want you to see it. As you're turning there, when Jesus comes the second time to the earth as the king... The believers are left on the earth to go into the kingdom. The unbelievers are taken in death and their bodies lay on the ground. In fact, one place in the book of Revelation says that the pile of bodies is so high, it's as high as a horse's bit. That's what it says. Bodies stacked up who have been killed. What's going to happen to those bodies? Look at Revelation 19. Look at verse 11 again. I just want to get to the context. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. This is Jesus coming. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword that he will strike down the nations. That's his judgment. He will rule with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fierce wrath. He's coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's verse 16. Now look at verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit upon them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. When Jesus comes and judges and all these people are killed, the birds are going to come eat their bodies. They have unbelievers. They rejected the Messiah. They're in rebellion against him. And when he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's what's going to happen. Look at Matthew 24, verse 28. Wherever the corpse is, wherever there's a body, wherever the bodies are, we can say it that way, there the vultures will gather. That's what's going to happen. Not a very pleasant sight. Truthfully, we want everybody that we know to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. So in the church age, we'll all be taken out with Jesus and we'll be with Him and we'll come back and we'll go into the kingdom and rule in righteousness with Him. There will be judgment of the unbelievers taken in death. Birds will eat their bodies. Believers left will go into the kingdom. It's powerful truth. What have we seen? Jesus teaches concerning the second coming. First, Jesus says, he says, first of all, he must be rejected, the death and resurrection. Then as the lightning flashes across the sky, everyone will see him at his second coming. Unbelievers will be taken in death, and believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Very powerful passage. So from now on, when you study this passage, don't think it's a rapture passage. I'm sorry, go ahead and look back at Luke. Don't think it's a rapture passage and say these two people in the field and these two women and these two people, that that's, rapture. that's not rapture at all. This is second coming. Unbelievers are taken in death. Believers are left to go into the kingdom. Let me give you some applications. First of all, understand the end time events. A, understand the two comings of Christ to the earth. The first coming he came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin. Second time he comes to the earth, he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay? Understand that. Be able to put it together. Be ready to give an answer to people because people don't know this. They're always wanting to know about end time stuff. You ought to be able to say, okay, the first time Jesus came, he came to die. The second time Jesus comes, he's going to come to reign. That's the two comings to the earth. Understand, B, Understand the rapture, that in between those two comings, Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and he's going to come take all those who have believed in him as Savior, all us, the church age, he's going to take us off the face of the earth. I guarantee you, you are not going in any tribulation. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you will be gone. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior today, 
right where you're sitting. You can believe that he died for you on the cross, that he paid for your sins and rose again. You can trust in him and him alone, and you can have eternal life. It's the only way of salvation. It's not your works. It's not your goodness. It's not going to church. It's not being good. It's not anything like that. It is simply faith alone in Christ alone. And right where you're sitting, if you believe in him right this second, by the authority of the word of God, you have eternal life. You are part of the church, and you will be taken out when Jesus comes in the clouds. You won't ever have to worry about the tribulation or anything like that. Number two, thank God for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ at his first coming. Thank God for that, that he died and rose again, that he gives eternal life to all who believe. And then the third thing, understand that the second coming of Christ will be a time of judgment before he reigns. A, unbelievers will be taken. They'll be taken in death and the birds will eat their bodies. B, is there a B? Yeah, believers will be left to go into the kingdom and to rule with Christ. If you know Christ as Savior, one of these days, it could be any second, Jesus is going to come in the clouds and we're going to be gone. You're going to be with him. You're going to come back to this earth, second coming of Christ. And as he sets up a kingdom, you will be there. Just go to the book of Revelation chapter 20. Look at the fact that he will rule for a thousand years and you will be with him. There's some great things there. May we understand the end time events knowing that at Christ's first coming, he died and rose again being the Savior. At his second coming, he will be the judge and reign as the king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. I pray that we all understand the end time events, the first, you know, the aspect of the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ and the rapture and how all that fits together so that we can know it and we can tell other people so they can understand it. Lord, thank you that when Jesus came the first time, he came as the Savior, and he died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we understand that when Jesus comes the second time, it will be a time of judgment for the unbelievers. They will be put to death. They will be taken in death. And, Lord, thank you that the believers, those believers will be left to go into the kingdom and will all rule with Jesus for a thousand years. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths. Help us to put it together and to be ready to give an answer to others for the great hope and the great truths that we know from your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.